Today on BeelerCast, I speak with Tina Yannakino, U.S. Senior Publisher Director for SeedTag. What don't we cover in this episode? I mean, we go from Barbie to block lists, AI to DC, from sitting back with a glass of wine to solving the world problems. Quick disclaimer, we did not solve the world problems. But enough of this nonsense. Welcome to BeelerCast. Tina, welcome to BeelerCast. I'm so excited to have you have you join us. I have a question right off the bat for you, just because uh, I follow follow some of the stuff that you've done uh, during the pandemic and so forth. Uh, a lot of lot of pasta, a lot of wine and stuff like that. Are you? <laughs> do you put yourself? Are you are you a, in the foodie camp or are you in like the? Are you a cook camp or is that? Are those things really kind of? mutually the, the same thing and so forth in your mind uh yeah i mean i like to say i drink wine and i know things but i definitely more hold the wine glass and watch my husband cook a lot of the time um i enjoy cooking but he loves to do it so i love to be the content queen kind of behind the scenes um and i love to explore the world of wine so it all works together all of the glass of wine well cool so here's here's my ask as we go through this if we work out any any tie-ins to wine? Let's just do that. I think that somehow that that just still that'll add, <laughs> add to the whole conversation. Sure. So Seed Tag is a company that I will say within the the Beeler Tech universe, we're hearing more and more publishers talk to you, work with you, see results with you. Uh, but I am sure that there are people in our in our space that have not not heard of Seed Tag, don't know the history, uh, and would love for you to give. Uh, just a take on what Seed Tag is and and what you're doing. Yeah, absolutely. So I've been at Seed Tag about 14 months now. Uh, we opened up U.S. operations officially last summer of 2022. We've actually been around since 2014. It's just in the U.S. we are a bit of an unknown. So really happy to be on podcasts like this with you and kind of preaching the Seed Tag gospel out and about where we can uh, to just raise overall brand awareness. But we are known as a global contextual advertising leader um, in both EMEA and LATAM. And now we see kind of the U.S. as kind of the final frontier, so to speak. Um, we did a great round of funding last summer of $250 million from Advent International, which is a top three uh, PE fund and globally, um, and using that is helping to expand our global footprint and also allowing us to enter areas in terms of product innovation that we haven't had a chance to play in yet necessarily. Um, my role has been speaking with publishers as I've done for the past close to a decade now on both the publisher side and the vendor side, um, helping to diversify revenue streams. And what SeedTag is bringing is a proprietary contextual AI. Um, we call her Liz to keep it simple. Think of her as like our Alexa or our Theory. Uh, we're doing this thing called network level analysis um, that we use to analyze the articles in real time to place the best creative um, that our sales teams are out uh, preaching to the local markets here in the US. Um, and then of course, we're in about 13 markets globally. So that's a very quick 30,000 foot view. <laughs> that was that was really quick. And yet you gave a lot of lot of things to uh, for us to touch on. One of them that immediately kind of comes to mind is that with your your roots, uh, and again, correct me if I'm wrong, European origins, uh, as all of these things going on, as it ties to regulation, GDPR, and all these pieces, does that mean that you've had to kind of solve for some of the end state where, again, more of a U.S. approach, we're a lot more free and open with data 
and we know kind of what the future state's going to be. Is that has that been a help in terms of navigating some of these issues? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, as a European company, CTAG obviously keeps a very close eye on evolving legal and regulatory developments as it relates to AI, especially. Um, for example, the EU AI Act uh, that includes monitoring updates from relevant regulatory authorities, um, industry associations, legal experts, uh, just to ensure that we're compliant with all the latest requirements. And of course, we have an in-house legal team to stay on top of any of those potential changes. Um, but and of course, we're always going to adhere to whatever the local privacy laws. Obviously, in the U.S., there's there probably is going to be a multi-state legislation coming up soon. I know y'all were out in D.C. last week, also preaching the gospel for the publisher side um, and what we can do, and can't wait to to dive in more there as well. Yeah, and uh, I I can't wait to talk about it, right? Because there's there's so so much that comes yeah. out of that and so forth. But there's, you know, one of the things you you mentioned a couple of keywords there, and and the contextual AI piece and the the contextual part. Again, I think. Every publisher I know that I'm talking to is there's there's not going to be one solution. It is going to be many things potentially fragmented in how all these pieces work. I don't think we've necessarily figured out all those those particular pieces. Contextual uh, comes to me as a, something that again has been around for quite some time, right? The idea is though with all this regulation and the third party cookies, does contextual kind of make you know, uh, kind of, I don't say make a comeback as much as like get its proper due. There's the, that's what I was looking for, right? Because I think that there's an aspect that like mm -hmm. publishers have always wanted to talk about context, you know, necessarily more than just random audience and, and so forth. Um, but are we, is contextual ready really to be kind of be put in that spotlight? Are we going to be able to get buyers to buy that contextual? How is, how do you see that playing out? Yeah, no, I think it's a fair question. Um, I think we are absolutely in some sort of a contextual renaissance, so to speak. Um, it's nothing new. Audience targeting isn't going away, but it is changing. And most publishers have a ton of their own first party data that they're able to contextualize very well on their own. There's not a huge need for SaaS models. And we're not trying to go against the primitives of the world either to, to recreate your own first party data strategy, so to speak. Um, but something I found fascinating is a big reason why and seed tag uh, was a differentiator for us is our network level analysis, especially with third party cookie deprecation in mind. Having an eye on the open web as that's ever changing is going to become much more niche, um, and especially the next 12 to 18 months. Um, so if something like Liz, which CTAG brings, can help publishers benefit in real time off of advertiser buying trends and similar content verticals across the open web and give them access to that unique demand at scale, I think that sets most publishers up for success and should absolutely be a, one of the many parts of the overarching strategy. It's, of course, just one of many tools in the kit. Yeah, I, you know, you remind me there was an article that came out this week where someone was kind of saying the open marketplace is going to kind of dry up in the future and so forth. And I'm, I'm like, I, I can't see that happening. I can see there being less signal, mm -hmm. right? Or where the signal is derived from. And it will be less third party cookies, of course, if that goes away. But the fact that like we'll be in a position where technology companies like yourself, publishers are able to put out with the signal where this impression lives. I kind of feel like as much as it, it doesn't necessarily get everyone on board with that right now, um, wait till there's less signal. And then suddenly that's going to be one of the better <laughs> signals that that's out there. So, um, yep. right. 
I mean, I think I think the other the other piece that that plays in my mind though when I hear context is uh, there's a lot of discussion certainly within the the Beeler Tech community and, and the industry as a whole. Uh, I, I think you saw the thing I'm from Group Black and Double Verify around block lists, and uh, I'm curious to your thoughts. Again, you worked at She Media, Seed Tag. This has got to be something that you've got some some thoughts on. What are your What are your thoughts about where block tags, uh, uh, blocking lists fit in everything? Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, block lists are pretty archaic at this point. I think, especially working so close with uh, the Seed Tag sales team here and, and seeing the inclusion list, so to speak, that they send through, um, it's a very kind of limited lens that they're using to to make these judgments. Um, and I think a company like Seed Tag is well positioned to help. With these conversations because we are going beyond just keyword targeting which is where these blocks are coming from um when you're not understanding the nuance of human language and and the context in which that word is used in you could be missing out on opportunities um, for monetization especially supporting well-crafted journalism and publishers that deserve that funding from those advertisers um so i think it really comes back to it's a new age it's a new era we need new ways of doing things and unfortunately the buy side has been pretty unregulated as it relates to that, um, especially honestly with um, with the election year coming up, I feel like every four years it turns into whack-a-mole <laughs> with uh, creatives uh, being intentionally mislabeled, so to speak. Um, I, I recall many a time where publishers are getting angry about certain creatives showing up and it's, well, it's actually not that, but whoever the advertiser were intentionally did that to get around the blocks they know are inevitable. So I think with block lists in mind and just touching upon AI again, uh, using AI in a thoughtful way to maybe help manage those expectations and those keywords, those um, the malintentioned keywords or whatever they are. Um, I think there's opportunity and it does involve a conversation with all parties at the table. It shouldn't be on any one of us to decide. And I think it's great that Double Verify is getting involved with the group black team to, to help with that. Um, we all say the things at the top of the chain, but it doesn't always translate to the people with hands on keyboard who are actually executing the campaigns themselves, unfortunately. Um, there's also the full um, argument with um, with Group Black in mind on um, ownership versus audience and investment and how that is also uh, parsed out, um, which is a whole nother conversation um, that a lot of other people can speak to much more intelligently than I can. Um, but I think uh, with Blockless in mind, AI could be a very interesting lever to help uh, enable positive change. Yeah, I, I agree. And I, you know, I'm actually, I'm, I'm working, I'm, I'm, I'm like this close to having my article about uh, keyword block lists and how a lot of us get them wrong mm -hmm. in terms of their role. And at the same time, like we really should be working the AI angle on this to, to make sure that AI is built without bias, that it works for all of us and it does exactly what we want it to do. Um, harder conversation in some sense, but like the right level of conversation versus I need to look at your thousand keywords and try to figure out like what that all means. It just archaic is a really good, good, good use of the, the yeah. word there. So, and I think that that again yeah. is you get less signal and more about context. All these things become more important that we actually work the right problems as opposed to just figuring out old technology. Yeah, absolutely. And I think with AI in mind, ethical AI is obviously super top of mind and 
having a balanced data set with a sufficient number of examples is extremely important when you're training models effectively. Um, CTAG, for example, um, Ethical AI is kind of built in what we're doing because it's in-house. We're not relying on it being developed elsewhere. We're in control of the data that's being collected and labeling it according to very strict internal guidelines. Um, we're using various data samples that cover a wide range of topics, opinions, perspectives to ensure just a very balanced overall input. Um, and there's obviously just continuous data monitoring to make sure that bias doesn't have an opportunity to sneak in and that we're always looking at a very uh, balanced data set overall. Well, AI is, of course, the other big topic. It's, uh, you know, there's a, there's a part of the, I think, I think the one thing this industry has learned that if you label something like the year of mobile, then you're going to be disappointed the next year when it's the, also the year of mobile. So I do not want to be that this is the year of AI. I think yep. it's already integrated <laughs> into almost every conversation that we have. Um, and I, you know, yep. that ethical AI piece, I think is such a, a key part and again, I'm curious, I mean, between, I don't know, things like the writer's strike to everything else that's being kind of thrown out there or whatever, what are some of your thoughts, you know, what are some of the things that you're paying attention to that we should all be kind of thinking about as we navigate these, these new waters? Yeah, I mean, I think we're all like, hopefully going to avoid the singularity moment, you know, the hypothetical point when AI just overtakes us, aka Terminator. Um, I think that's all like what we're trying to not do. So I really think there's an opportunity for balance. You're always going to need kind of human overlords to help manage the data. Um, one good example I can think of, I believe it was in Dubai, they had their first ever like AI ambassador, which I think they put into office in like as early as 2018. And he's the only one in the world as of whenever I watched this, which was I think six months ago at this point. Um, but one of his roles is to not to date myself, to, to keep myself honest here. Um, I think one of his roles was, you know, to use AI to help effectively monitor traffic um, as it goes through Dubai and to understand opportunities for improvements on the flow, where should stoplights be added or removed? And it's all to enhance the human experience, but you still need somebody there to be like, that makes sense, or humans would never be able to adhere to whatever that is. So I think there's always gonna be a balance, luckily. Um, or we're gonna always have the Terminator vision in mind, unfortunately, but I think as long as we have regulation um, on par with, AI as it develops and we're not diving in too quickly with anything and everyone's taking responsibility on what they're creating in-house and feeding those data sets mindfully and intentionally. Um, I do think there was a great opportunity for us. Yeah, it, 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 we had some really good conversations in DC. You, you, you mentioned that before. And, you know, one of the, the people that we met with, really his question was, do you let the courts play this out or do you try to come up with regulation ahead of time? And if you think about that, right, like what a fascinating question to think about because as much as we are technology people, do we think we could write a law that's gonna protect us from all the things that could potentially happen? Nope. No, but do we really want it to kind nope. of play itself out and see where it goes? No. So, uh, you no. know, my, my recommendation is that we use AI to write AI rules on regulating AI until yes. we don't trust that AI. I, I'm not sure that I, you know, now I think about it, I really don't have a solution. Uh, but I do think that it's yep. something <laughs> we have to watch. What about, what are your thoughts about um, like the writer's strike? And again, I'm just curious on that piece of it, but there's a part of like, yep. 
publishers, you know, go ahead. I'd love to hear your thoughts because I, I was just going to going to share one of my thoughts. But please, what, what are your what are you thinking about? Yeah, I mean, um, coming from someone who has worked professionally within kind of more of the creator economy, also in my personal and professional life, um, I remember striking out contracts, you know, using my likeness in perpetuity out of the the legalese of TNCs like five years ago. And not everybody knows to do that. I just happened to work in media and I, I understood uh, the, the ethos of that that question. I don't want to be driving down Santa Monica Boulevard in 10 years and see a billboard with my face on it. Like who knows how it's going to be used. So with the writer's strike in mind, I think it's definitely cause for concern. I think the streaming companies have a lot to work on in terms of just equal pay to go around. Um, we, it's also difficult, just I personally have not worked at a streaming company yet, but from what I've read and profitability seems to be a word kind of thrown around a lot. And that is anyone really making that much money. But then you look at the budgets they're using for these films, it seems like there could be some sort of middle ground in terms of royalties. But I do think we have to be able to have control over our likeness in, in, as it relates to AI, especially for somebody who is using their likeness as a way to create a living for themselves. Um, you can't have that rug kind of just taken out from underneath you. Um, so I do think conversations will hopefully be happening. I hope that Hollywood's just not waiting it out and waiting for people to run out of their rent or can't pay their mortgage anymore and have to return to work. Um, but I do think creators have an opportunity to take back their likeness and, and to be paid fairly for the work that they're doing. Yeah, I relate it. I, I agree with that. And I, and I, I fear that it, that there is just a, a wait and see game. And I and again, I think that there's some some part of that. And I, in my head, relate that to really the situation publishers have when it comes to AI. I mean, there's a there's a part of it that the idea that we start to get a, like a more conversational approach to how we work with our, the, you know, the devices in our hand to get content. I mean, I love that. I, I hate how much work it takes for me to get the weather when I could just sit there and get the weather, right? And again, I'm, you know, no. exact, but you can just imagine there's being these other ways of, of kind of working and letting AI really help me. And yet at no point can I imagine that an ad fits in there and the attribution of where that content coming from being properly done uh, just seems like such a, a landmine of things to come. And so I thought to myself, as we were, as I was thinking about the, this conversation I was gonna have with you is like, publishers are really not in a position to go on strike, right? I mean, the actors, it's mm -mm. some of them are in danger, but like, What's a, what, what are publishers to do? And I think someone already, you know, was it the, the AOP already kind of put it out there of, of you know, like trying to, to say stop, cease and desist. You can't stop technology and how it's going to get used. And yet it comes right back to my DC point. Can we do something in front of this or do we have to wait to see how it plays out? And I kind of feel like we're in maybe a dangerous ground when it comes to users going, oh, I prefer things without ads. Thank you very much. Let's just do that. And I'll just get it from one source versus understanding where all this stuff comes from. I just, we have, we have some more interesting things to talk yeah. about in the future, Tina. I, I, probably yeah. more on the other side than now, <laughs> right? Uh, now it's all just yeah. <laughs> kind of like, how is this going to play out? I know. How is this play out? I know. It, it is, um, it's definitely concerning um, coming from somebody who worked really closely with publishers in my prior role. And now we're looking, I'm in a position to hopefully innovate products for publishers in future. 
Um, the first thing I thought of when ChatGPT came up and it's, you know, sourcing information and Google Bard is going to be now surfacing it with, within the SEO initial results, that is terrifying to a publisher. You're losing out on all that direct traffic and all the revenue that comes with it for your various, uh, whether that's from programmatic, subscription, affiliate, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so how are we properly attributing it? And we're kind of in that waiting mode still, I feel, with Google and, and the like, just to see how they're going to make sure publishers are still fairly paid. Um, because you're right, we can't go on strike. Um, the duopoly or triopoly now is still taking the lion's share of every advertising dollar on the open web. Um, and publishers need to be compensated. And I will say with seed tag specifically to just tie this in is we're not just crawling the open web, everybody we're not working with, it's only partners we're working with. And that way you're kind of hopefully helping each other, so to speak, is you're benefiting from the content of other people in the seed tag network as what you're giving is benefiting them. Um, and again, we're looking to be more innovative and, and thoughtful of how we can bring that data more proactively in the future. Um, and I, I think it's a really exciting time to bring AI, especially ethical AI in mind um, with the publishers of or front, it's just a, a cool time to be in our area right now. Yeah, well, I think I think that that's going to be a key piece, and I think I think there's an aspect to what you just said. Of, I mean, there's just an aspect that, that I don't know how to draw the lines, but premium publishers or people who invest in creating content should get rewarded. You know, from the actors to the publishers mm -hmm. and so forth, and. And if, again, the solutions yeah. start to make that so you go and say, you know what you're buying. I mean, again, that's goes all the way back to the block list, goes all these things. Buyers want to buy what they, you know, to be in the right mm -hmm. environments, to be in the right context. And we just have to create the tools that that do that. And I think, obviously, these are going to be AI generated solutions kind of going forward. I think it just it's just uh, about I love the phrasing of, of ethical AI. We just have to kind of think in those those particular yeah. ways. Those particular ways. Yeah, maybe uh, we need to book a one way ticket to Google Land and decide. What about what about Barbie Land? What about Barbie Land? Have you have you um, have you done the 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 Barbenheimer? Did you did you go do you see both of them or did you? Uh, I've only seen Barbie. I've only been Barbie. So don't 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 yeah. tell me how Oppenheimer ends. You know, <laughs> keep it a secret. I have like oh, no man. idea. No. <laughs> no spoilers at all. Um, yes, I've saw I've saw both. I actually saw Bobby Barbie twice because um, loved it so much. I know my husband just didn't want to go by himself, so I went, I went again. I uh, <laughs> didn't make him more pink though. Um, I should have made him. Um, no, I, I think it's fantastic that you know movies are back and we have a double blockbuster summer again. I feel like I, we haven't had this much like kind of friendly head-to-head -head battle in the box office in a bit. Uh, my youngest brother is actually a director who just moved to Los Angeles, and he's like, "Cool, I moved here during a writer's strike. Like, great idea." Um, so you know, he's go he's going through it as well. Um, but I think with Barbie, uh, the whole ethos of Barbie land and the matriarchy versus the patriarchy, it kind of goes back to our decision. Do we set those rules now or see how it plays out? And it's more about the equality. It's not one or the other, I think, which is a point a lot of people are the negative reviews I've read about the movie this far is it's too feminist. It's too woke, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, no, you missed the entire point. 
the matriarchy is not correct and the patriarchy is definitely not correct. It's a blend. Like Ken shouldn't be disappointed or un- or forgotten about. It's not always about Barbie. So I think there's deeper tones there that we could obviously try to apply to our professional lives, especially as it relates to the duopoly and triopoly and, and what's best for all might not make sense for everyone. Um, but I think it's going to have to be a partnership like anything else is at the end of the day and banding together to become one louder voice is a very effective way of doing so. Um, and then with Oppenheimer, I mean, it was very loud. It was very inspiring. <laughs> it was <laughs> very long. Um, Cillian uh, Murphy's cheekbones are the sharpest I've ever seen on screen. Um, but excellent performances overall. I, I can't wait to see it. I will definitely see it. I think with Barbie, and again, you know, you tell me if you think maybe I've gone too da- too deep in my role and my focus. But uh, you know, I thought with Barbie Land, like you know, with poor regulation, you know, does Barbie land require its own, you know, regulation? And then am I ultimately <laughs> going to be able to target Barbies and, and cans? Or do I have to treat, you know, to your, to your very point, like, you know, if I'm targeting horse ads, yeah. I want to reach cans, you know, and like, but I, I can't do yeah. that. I, I feel like there's something lost, but it, it just could be that I'm just in my yeah. own little bubble, just talking about the stuff way too much. I don't know. That's yeah. which brings us your to your own line. personal Barbie land. Yes. I, <laughs> well, if you saw my my display of jackets, you would you would understand that I'm I'm complaining yes. about that for sure, for sure. Well, with all that, I do, and again, we didn't really work in the wine as as much Tina as I thought we would, but that's okay. And now I oh, now yeah. I definitely want a, a glass of wine um, after this. So yeah, um, you know, we will we'll have to do that. Same. Tina, thank you so much for this for this conversation. Um, a lot of great things, and you know. Part of it, quite honestly, is that it's the, these are a lot of the beginning of some great conversations, right? As we try to figure out these particular Absolutely. pieces and so forth. And uh, can't wait to see you at the next uh, Beeler Tech event. And uh, yeah, looking forward to Tina working with you on this stuff and hearing more of what you're up to. Awesome. Yeah, no, thank you so much, Rob. This was great. Um, we can't solve all the world's problems in a 25 minute conversation, unfortunately, but definitely some great nuggets here. I can't wait to continue to talk about them and try to change the world in a better way if we can. Let's, let's do that. Let's do that. All right. <laughs> yeah. Talk soon. Yeah. Thank you. Cool. Thank you.